The nail in the coffin! It's episode number 79 of The Nail. Tom and Travis coming at you on uh, Thursday night. Travis, it's been uh, about 10 days now, I guess, since we last did this. And uh, the last time you and I talked on here, Cavs had just parted ways with David Griffin. And I know it's been a really long time, but somehow uh, Cavs still do not have a general manager. Yeah, it's a little odd what's happening right now. I think there's a... uh... I, I texted you earlier. I, I expected by the time we got on here again, um, we'd have all sorts of stuff to talk about, potential moves and who the new GM is and all this stuff. And, and really, we got nothing. But we're going to go for it. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm going to disagree with you. I think we do have a lot to talk about. The problem is none of it's any good. You're a goddamn uh, liar. <laughs> no. I. Uh, all right. So I want to start with this. Um Former 92.3 personality, uh, Joe Lowe, floated the theory out, I think it was yesterday or the day before, that uh, he said basically, what if uh, the Cavs have a handshake agreement with Chauncey Billups and just haven't signed anything uh, because it would give him the ability to basically talk with players on other teams uh, without officially tampering? Uh, Do you buy that theory? No, um, I, I don't really, s- I feel like if that was like uncovered, they could still get in trouble for it. Um, second, it just seems like you could probably do a lot more if you started talking to GMs, um, as a team representative where you can actually, you know, orchestrate and make moves. Maybe that's me. I don't know, but no, it sounds like. Uh, every once in a while, every couple of years, Joe Lowell shows back up and uh, he's got some weird far-fetched theory as to why something is the way it is. So, no, I'm not going to take a whole lot from that. Here's my thing with this. I, I'm I'm kind of on the fence. On the one hand, I'm with you in that I agree that it's probably not what's actually happening here just because it seems like an extremely high-risk a move to be making for very little reward. Uh, I just don't know why you'd take that kind of a gamble considering what few assets you had to play with. It isn't like you're circumventing the rules for the chance to land LeBron James or Kevin Durant or somebody of that caliber. Like, I mean, the, you know, the Cavs at this point, their best case scenario for them, um, any sort of major impact player they're going to be able to acquire, it's going to have to come through a trade it's not like they're going to be able to go land a big fish in free agency or anything like that but um you know i, I guess for me uh, the the thing is um i don't i don't know i i, I just at the same time the reason i'm kind of hesitant to say like maybe there is something is i just something weird's going on here right like we're we're 10 days in We still don't have a general manager, and we've not even heard of a plan B. I mean, we heard that, like, Cavs talked to Chauncey Billups. They talked with them again. They made him an offer. 
nothing for a few days. Then I think like yesterday came out that like he made a counter offer to them and you know, we're not hearing about them interviewing anybody else. And, you know, all we are seeing is uh, the owner of the team showing up uh, at the White House uh, with the Chicago Cubs. Hanging bang with the Cubbies Cubs. and Trumpo. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but... Regardless, yeah, I could... no, I don't, I don't... I don't know what to think. I'd like to think that there's something, you know, that, that wheels are moving and there's something in place, but... I just don't see it. I mean, I don't, there's, there's, we've been hearing it for a week now. Um, other, other teams are moving along and the Cavs are just kind of sitting still. And admittedly, they don't have a whole lot they can do. Um, so I don't know that that, uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a big deal, but in general, there's not a whole lot the Cavs can do, but you'd still like to have a guy in place. It, it, it it's hard to believe that, you know, they really wanted to go through the draft without a GM. Then that was like their, their grand plan. If it is, well, I don't know. I don't get it, but. Well, that was the thing. Like we heard on draft night that they apparently thought they had a deal in place for a pick somewhere in the mid thirties and they were going to take the kid out of Cal and that deal like somehow fell through. And, and I didn't, I didn't catch like the rest of the particulars on that, but um, that's not a good look. No. And, you know, you, you just you look at like what's going on around the league elsewhere. Um, Houston's obviously been kind of dominating things the last couple of days here since they got Chris Paul. But what was super interesting about what they're doing is how many trades now have the Rockets pulled off in order to help make the money on the Chris Paul deal work? Like at least five, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's. It was a pretty big effort. I, th- I don't know that people really realize how, how much work it probably took to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, the, the big headline, obviously, was getting CP3. But in order to, like, make all the finances on that work, they had to take on all of these uh, basically, uh, you know, uh, cannon fodder, I guess, for lack of a better term, just to, like, make the, the numbers work and uh, help uh, do a little bit of salary cap uh, wizardry. I guess you would say. And, you know, it just, it kind of really made it even more glaring that like, you know, if the Cavs are going to do anything substantial, they're going to have to get similarly creative. And it just really shines a spotlight on them. Like you don't have anybody in position that could do that right now. And the guy you just let go was the guy who had built a reputation for being able to do exactly things like that. So yeah. And those aren't things that, you know, those are things you have to learn. I don't. I see. I see it as very unlikely that Chauncey Billups is going to be able to come in and you know know how to craft those types of moves and how to make those types of things work. Um, he's got the relationships. I think he knows people. You know, he's got a lot of connections throughout the league, and that's all fine and dandy. But you still got to be really creative and and have a very like intimate knowledge of how contracts and trades and exceptions and um, all that sort of crap works um, in order to make, especially a team like the Cavs who are very, you know, strapped as far as it goes already. Um, you got to be really creative and you have to have a very intimate understanding of that stuff. And I think it's, it's probably asking a bit much to have 
you know, a guy who's never worked in a front office before come in and be able to really hit the ground running with that. And that's the thing, though. Like, he very well might be able to to do that. I mean, everybody that's uh, that knows him over at ESPN says he's not the typical former player who comes in and, uh, you know, can kind of coast by on his name and reputation. He's uh, very aware of, you know, all the ins and outs of, of every team's roster and can tell you everything about anybody's backup point guard and this, that, and the other. And that's great. And, you know, maybe he knows uh, a lot more than what a lot of people would give him credit for. And maybe he could put together a great staff. But the point here is that we still don't know because he's still not in. And this still isn't a done deal. And it's 10 days in now. And free agency officially starts. You know, you can certainly make the case that um, unofficially it's been going on for at least uh, a week and a half now uh, off the record. But uh, officially, free agency starts in what? Uh, from the time we're recording this right now, 26 hours. And the Cavs have no general manager. And it's just really disconcerting. Yeah, I mean, ideally, yeah, it starts 26 hours from now. But ideally, you've got sort of a game plan of what you want to do. And you've got a lot of your your moves in place. And obviously... I find it hard to believe that the Cavs have that without having a guy in the head chair, you know? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's conversations going on. Officially, no. And, and you know, I think it's one of those deals at this point. It's like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, uh, uh, I can't remember who it was, but there was uh, one of the uh, ESPN people had a podcast going on uh, today that basically said, like, they already know of deals that are in place that basically are just being kept quiet for now so as to avoid tampering. Um, so, I mean, things are happening around the league. I mean, and even outside of free agency, I mean, you just, you look at what happened on draft night. I mean, Jimmy Butler is, the Cavs have been linked to, and and he's going to Minnesota now and was being introduced today up there and giving out his phone number to the whole world. Um, what, what, by the way, what did you make of that? How crazy was that? I got a feeling that was a bit of a publicity stunt because he was, they were uh they were posting video of him like talking to FaceTiming with people that were calling him and stuff. And I got a feeling that number is gonna be turned off. I got a first of all, I got a feeling that number got turned on a couple days ago and it's gonna be turned off a couple days from now. because um, that's a pretty uh pretty baller move, like giving out your number, then FaceTime with a bunch of people while you're on your private Like that's pretty sweet. I'll give him that. It's a well thought out move. I don't think it was like spontaneous and i don't think that that was his phone number um a couple days ago quite frankly but it's still pretty funny i've i i'm i kind of like jimmy butler he seems like a guy that kind of just goes about his business and isn't you know a big look at me guy so he's one of those guys that i kind of like paying attention to maybe not look at me but uh please call me i guess uh yeah, call me. Um, exactly. But back I'll to your point, you, I, like you I, were saying, I'm, like you were saying a minute ago about Chauncey Billups. Um yeah. he he does strike me as one of those guys that's a little more cerebral guy as an ex player. And I'll be honest, it 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 bothers me a little bit because I really hoped he was gonna replace Jalen Rose. Um when when I was watching like the uh ESPN coverage and they had him, Jalen, um, Paul Pierce and Billups up there, I was listening to the three of them talk, and I'm like, Chauncey Billups is a hundred times more coherent and 
like insightful and valuable. I really hope he puts Jalen Rose out on his ass in this off season. <laughs> um, but it appears uh, my, my prayers will not be answered. Yeah, I guess not. Uh, so sorry. Well, I, although I guess it would probably be better that uh, if, if one of those guys is going to be linked to the Cavs front office, yeah. it would be the guy who sounds <laughs> yes, more I'll take coherent. I'd much rather Jalen Rose be on TV than in the Cavs front office. Oh yeah, that uh, that would be an issue. You know, back to the uh, Timberwolves though. That uh, that's kind of an interesting team. All of a sudden, that's a um, hell of a little core they got there, isn't it? I, I like it. You know, I I went and saw them play this year when they came to Cleveland and Carl Anthony Towns and, and Wiggins, and now you add Jimmy Butler and uh, you know I, you've heard some talk that uh, they want to upgrade their point guard position. If they get a, a an upgrade on Ricky Rubio. That that's a fun team to watch, and I think they would probably be looking at making the playoffs next season, which would be fun. Yeah, I'm not um, totally sure you need much of an upgrade. I think Rubio's a pretty underrated nice little player. Um, and with those three guys, the scoring burden is off of him, and he can really you know work more as a facilitator. There's room for improvement at that position for them. Sure, I mean, room for improvement, <laughs> but I don't know that it's... I don't know that it's... I, I don't know that they're horrible there. I don't know that Rubio's a, a huge downside. I think you can win with them. How much you can win, I don't know. But, yeah, you can be a playoff team with them. Yeah. How about the Bulls? They, they, you know, I don't know. It feels like they got fleeced there, but... I mean, Yeah, been... it's one of those things where you always have to, like... You always have to look at it like, well, if he doesn't want to be here, what, let's go get the most we can get. Um, is See, that's the thing, though. I like, don't know if that's the most they could get or not, but and it's it, this is all hearsay and speculation, and it could be complete bullshit for all we really know. But the 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 rumor that we heard last week leading up to the draft was that he was apparently open to being traded to the Cavs and then had it explained to him that if he gets traded to the Cavs, he would lose out on the opportunity to get that Supermax uh, designated player contract. And it would basically cost him $90 million to which he suddenly said, I want to stay in Chicago and lead this team back to glory. And all of a sudden those types of things became apparently a lot more important um, and I guess going to Minnesota, um, I think he would probably be in line to still make that, that big contract, but so wait, you know, how I does think that work? How does that work? Exactly. The, um, the I know that's, that's sort of a new development, but why would, um, why could Minnesota designate him that, but the Cavs couldn't. All right, so I'm I'm putting myself out on a limb here because I hate like going into salary cap mechanics if I don't know 100%. All right, so full was. disclosure, this might not be accurate, but go this ahead. Might not, my understanding, I, the one thing I do know is that this is a new development as of July 1st. So for July 1st, 2017, this new Supermax deal is is now a thing that did not previously exist. And it was put into place to help teams retain top flight superstars um, by incentivizing them to stay with their previous team because they could offer way, way more money. Um, Now there's a a few different ways you could qualify for if you make the all NBA team or one of the three all NBA teams 
um, in either the year uh, going into free agency or two of the previous three years. Um, there's a couple other ways. So he could get that, I think, by making an all-NBA team again uh, in one of the next two years, I believe. And the reason that he could get that going to Minnesota, I think, whereas not Cleveland, is I think you can have up to two of those players on your roster at a time. And so people were I, just anticipating that LeBron and Kyrie would be those two guys? I think so. And again, okay, so it's, I, it's I reserve the right okay. to be completely talking out my ass on all of this um, and, and wrong. And uh, I, I might have to go look this up later and, and, and think about it. But um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that was why. Uh, whereas in Minnesota, I, I guess it would be him and, and Towns. Probably Towns, yeah. Okay, Hang on. makes sense. Um, so... Uh, you know, I'm looking this up now. <laughs> Sorry, I know I, I sidetracked you here a little bit, and it's funny because every year around this time, and this is a new development from this uh, from the CBA that they signed a little over a year ago. Um, right. All right. Here you go. So only players entering their eighth or ninth seasons with their original franchise, or if they were traded to an existing team during the first four years of their career, are eligible. So, so he's not eligible for it. He's not even eligible there. That's okay. We'll no, that's, that's sort of what I thought. I thought like he didn't want to be, but Chicago was like, well, fuck it, whatever. We don't care. Right. And they, they kind of discounted his concerns and traded him anyways for whatever they could get. So he's probably, you know, a little peeved at that. Yeah. But whatever. Fuck Jimmy Baller. What do I care? <laughs> He can suck it with his stupid weirdo hair. Um. Anyways, back to the Cavaliers, the team that really matters. Right. Um, what, what What can they do? I'll be honest. It seems like the Paul George thing that was picking up a ton of heat is all but dead at this point. Um, way too much that needs to go their way, I think, for that to happen. And, and I see it as highly unlikely that all those things happen. Um, yeah, the hot rumor now seems like... Boston is basically trying to position itself to Hayward land Gordon and Hayward George. first, and then they would get Paul George after in a trade, and they have to do it in that order to make all the money on the, the contracts work. And that'd be quite um, a little coup for them. I mean, they, that would that'd be pretty strong. Still not good enough to beat the Cavs. No, no, but it drastically improves them. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it does. But, uh, I think they could take a game or two from the Cavs in the playoffs. If that's worth it, I don't know, but um, I, I think it makes them. I, I think they were one of the worst one seeds of our of our lifetime last year. So I don't I don't put a whole lot of stock into where they finished last year. I don't think they were that good last year. Um, I think that would make them a respectable opponent um, for the Cavs if they were to pull that. I don't think they could take the Cavs, but I don't. I'll be honest. I don't think there's a whole lot anyone could do to pass. Outside of, I think the the Houston move puts them sort of made probably pretty close to the Cavs' plane. Um, I think the Spurs could probably make a move or two, and they'd be right there. But other than those, I don't know if there's anyone close enough to really make a move that would suddenly put them on the same level as the Cavs. Do you? No, no. That, I'm trying to think Houston of teams things. that are that are real close. I don't know that there's any there that are that close that, you know, they're like one star away. 
and will all of a sudden, uh, you know, be on that same level. And yeah. obviously, the Cavs are, are are a level below Golden State, even so. In the West, uh, Western Conference, that's an even bigger, I think, bigger burden than than anybody in the East has on them. What do you think about about Houston and CP3? I think it's interesting that they made a move that's going to take the ball out of Harden's hands a lot because I was sort of suspect about the idea of them playing him at point guard this year, and it worked out really well, obviously. Um, so I'm sort of surprised that they're they're going back away from it. Um, overall, I mean, it, it gives them a, a playmaker, and they, I mean, they gave up a lot of guys, but none of them are really that big a deal. Um, so they gave up a lot of guys. I think it, it, it's it's going to be an interesting team to watch. It, how well it works, I don't know. It it seems like one of those situations that could be perfect for a uh, uh, D'Antoni uh, D'Antonio system, but isn't going to really make a difference in the summer when the playoffs start. Well, I mean, the one thing I I think by lightening the the burden on Harden, I mean, we saw him in the San Antonio series look pretty much completely out of gas by the end of it there. So you would have to imagine this is going to help, you know, like you said, ease some some of his workload, which will be good. I love the fact that they're getting aggressive and going for it. Um, The one interesting subplot, I guess, that kind of ties – sort of back to the Cavs is that, you know, CP3 is basically just opted in for this coming season, and that makes him a free agent next summer. Dwayne Wade's going to be a free agent next summer. Um, LeBron's going to be a free agent next summer. And, you know, Carmelo's got his deal going on, and he's trying to work his way towards a buyout, I think. Um, So, I mean, it's entirely conceivable that all four of those guys – could be free agents at the same time. Um, yeah. So get ready for a year of banana boat stories um, uh, coming at you, I guess, here um, with, with with those four guys possibly be all being available at once. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, I though. Uh, go ahead if you had something. No, on that, I was just saying, I, it seems like too, went too much would need to too much adjusting would need to be made and if those are your four best players you're really old that that's like, that's where i was going is like you got to add three of those guys need to be basically on like mid-level exception or veteran minimum type deals well that's the thing like you know if this is their master plan and here's why I just I can't see that is like, I mean, if if they would do that, I mean, LeBron's basically conceding that his window for winning titles is over, right? Kind because, of. I mean, right now, and even more so by this time next year, if that's your core, you're not winning a title anymore. Like th- those four guys, maybe in their prime six or seven years ago. Oh, yeah. What, what They're they doing? Sure but, four or five years ago, sure. But, you know, LeBron is, to this point, proven to be ageless. The the, the rest of them have not. I mean, CP3 is still, you know, pretty much uh, tippy top of his game. But, um, you know, Dwayne Wade is kind of dialing down. Carmelo is dialing it down now. And, and, um, 
yeah, I, I just I, I would not rule out the possibility of those four guys playing together somewhere at some point. But the idea that that's going to happen like next summer, unless they've got a lot of other help somehow coming with it, I, I just I can't see it. Yeah, I could see it working in a place like Cleveland, but you'd still have to be paying Love and Kyrie and, you know, those guys. So it's it's. I have a hard time believing Chris Paul's still going to be a really damn good player. I think sure. Mello and D Wade are, you know, sort of on their way on the downside. So they're going to need to take pretty significant pay cuts, I think, to be, you know, if they want to play for a contender, they could maybe cash in and, and get some overpaid deal for a team looking to sell some tickets, but not win any games. Really depends what they want to do. But in general, um, those two would have to take a, a significant pay cut. And I don't know that there's any room anywhere for Tender to pay CP3, you know? So who knows what happens with that? I, I have a hard time believing that that ever comes to fruition. It just seems like any situation that they were, if they were able to get all four of them in one situation, like you said, um, they'd basically just be like, well, we want to play together. We're probably not going to win anything, but we think it'll be fun. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I still think on a contender, if they're working as a, a complementary piece, um, you know, like if Mello came to the Cavs, not in a trade for Kevin Love, like we saw. Yeah, if he, if he got bought season. out and they were giving him, like, the mid-level exception, that's a good exactly. move. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. In that case, absolutely. I think he'd be much better than anybody else you're going to get. Oh, at, uh, yeah. for, for $5 million or whatever that mid-level is this year. Um, but, you know, just to go back to what I was saying before, like if, if you're counting on him as like one of your core pieces of a quote-unquote super team, that, that's not super enough anymore. So um, we'll see what happens with that. Um, the one other thing with these deals that I thought was kind of interesting and just going back to what we were talking about, with the, uh, the the super maxes and while well, you were talking a few minutes ago, I looked up. Yeah, Jimmy Butler and uh, Boogie Cousins both now, whereas they would have been eligible for that the giant contract with the uh, the Bulls and the Kings respectively. Now with their new teams, they they won't be and um kind of become a little bit of an interesting subplot that you know this this provision that was put in to kind of help players get paid and and help teams keep those those top shelf stars especially in smaller markets it kind of feels like some it almost teams looks are, like it might cause them it, to get rid of guys that they wouldn't right, want to get like rid of. they don't want to pay them that much money um, yeah and it's almost having like the the opposite effect and i, I don't think i'm the first person to draw that conclusion but um you know, I mean, Chris Paul was, I mean, he's the president of the Players Association and had a key role in negotiating that, I think. So uh, if he's even, you know, pushing behind the scenes for a trade that's, you know, uh, going to put him in a situation where he can't cash in on, on something like that. Well, now, he wouldn't have been able to anyways, right? Because it wasn't the team that drafted him. Right. Good point. This this is gonna take some getting used to, man. I'm uh... yeah. It's a weird it's a weird provision, but it's also one of those things where if you're not close to winning a title already, 
and the guy isn't like bona fide superstar, you're probably going to look to move him to get out of paying that money. Like how many guys, how many guys in the league right now do you think would ever get that deal? Even if they were on their first team and they were right at that point where they even qualified for it. There's maybe only four or five guys, right? Yeah, I mean, so here's one that I was thinking about. Like, let's say, hypothetically, next summer, LeBron says, thanks for the memories. I've accomplished what I want to accomplish here. Nope, we're not going down this road. Hear me out. (laughs) All right. You know where I'm going, and I apologize in advance, but... You know, he he says, I've accomplished what I wanted to do here. I'm ready for the next chapter. And he moves on. The following summer after that, 2019, is when I believe Kyrie Irving could become a free agent. If you're the Cavs at that. Now, he has not met any of the qualifying uh, accomplishments in order to make himself eligible for that. That's super max. But if he would make an all NBA team in the next couple of years, and if he does do what he needs to do to, to reach those plateaus and he becomes eligible for that and LeBron's not here and you're the Cavs, do you pony up that kind of money for him? Hmm. I don't know. Probably not. I would. Really? Yeah. I don't know. If LeBron leaves, if LeBron leaves, what what do you think? Say everybody else is there, right? Mm-hmm. The, LeBron leaves. You give Kyrie that contract. You don't really have any room to improve again. That's so much money you're paying towards one guy. And you're not a contender at that point. Right? I mean, probably not. No. The, probably. the flip side of that, I, I still think he has, he's still on the upswing. Sure. He's, yeah. I, I, as a player, and sure. Pay, you, and you would be paying him, while you're paying him top buck, you would be getting him at the absolute peak of his career. Um, yeah. And as far as, it, it is one of those positions where, and I'd have to look at the numbers and see how it affects your cap and how much more he's actually getting and all that stuff. Um, on a yearly basis. So, you know, how much does that actually take away from being able to spend on other guys? But in general, how much is, if he's a top, let's say he's a second team guy. So he's a top 10 player in the league. That's what qualifies him for it. Let's say that's the case. Are you comfortable putting 35% of your salary cap towards one guy who I love Kyrie. I don't know that he can, I don't know that he could be the best player on a championship team. Right now. No, what you'd be banking on is that he develops enough and continues his career arc that he's on now. And those quotes that LeBron threw out during the year about him potentially becoming a league MVP someday actually come to fruition. Um, I don't know. This is all hypothetical for now. And, and I am sorry again for even bringing it up, but 
I don't know, something to consider. And and as you see how this is playing out with other teams around the league, uh, it's something to keep in mind that I, I think one way or the other, it, it'll probably be an issue that the Cavs, whether it's with Kyrie or whether it's with LeBron or, you know, who knows down the line, it, it'll come up here at some point. So um, kind of an unintended consequence so far that uh, it's the way it's impacting other clubs. So um, we'll see. I, uh, I don't know in the immediate here and now I, we, we got to got to figure out the general manager situation and get this front office settled. So. Yeah, that's first. That's obviously first line of business and, I, I'm I'm frustrated with where they're at right now. I wish they had some guy in there. Whether they have a deal in place or not, um, they need to get moving. That would be good. <laughs> Something's got it. Like you just that's, look. That's the thing. Just How long can you let this drag out? I'm optics. stunned it's gone this long. Yeah, optically, it just looks like you don't know what the hell you're doing. Even if you do, that's never a good look. Right, and. You know, just like, even if this whole thing is like, really, there's some sort of uh, under the table handshake agreement. Like, at what point does it become detrimental to the actual development? Right. If you want to do that for a couple days, carry this news out. That's what it is. Right. If you want to do it for a couple days, let him get some things in place and then sign him. Okay. But at this point, it, it looks more like. Okay, they're ironing out details to well, who knows if it's even going to happen. And I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's going to be good for business. No. For the record, I still think it's there's something is going to get done with Chauncey Phillips and the Cavs, but uh I it's just mind-boggling that it's it's turned into this. Um you know, it, you could laugh at what the Knicks are going through right now, but with you know firing Phil Jackson or you know, quote unquote parting ways with as if it was you know, mutual, um, but it's if you're the Cavs, if you're a Cavs fan right now, I don't know how much you really want to laugh considering uh, what's going on in our own four walls. It's uh, it's a little how, disconcerting. How would, you, how would you feel if you were the Knicks or if you were um, Dolan? He just stole your money. He never had any interest in working to make that team any better. He was going through the motions, cash and checks, right? Um, yeah. I mean, when you get these reports that he was like falling asleep during workouts with potential draft picks, that's not really a good look. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of it, though, was honestly that I think Phil Jackson wanted to make the Knicks better and, and he wanted to be successful, but his uh, strategies and philosophies and, and thoughts on how you build a team and how you win don't really translate to the NBA in 2017. Like the triangle doesn't work anymore. And- I'm not totally sure. I'm not totally sure he ever really cared that much about it. If that happened, if he did in fact make the Knicks really good, cool. Like that would have been great, but you know what? I'm getting an obscene amount of money. Um, I probably would have retired a few years ago and I wouldn't, 
be messing with this and I'd still be just as happy. So I don't really care that much. If it works out, great. If not, I'll get out of here a couple years early, keep cashing those checks, and I'll go live my life. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't think Phil ever gave a shit about whether it actually worked in New York or not. We'll never know. But uh, it's interesting to me now that David Griffin is one of the most prominent names being rumored for that position. And I'm just trying to imagine going from working for Dan Gilbert to going and working for Jim Dolan. But uh, I'm not even, <laughs> I'm not sure. It, uh, I'm not sure it'll feel that different. Um, but no, I honestly think the the fact that they moved pretty quickly on the um, Phil Jackson thing, like it seemed like they were like, oh, will Phil Jackson make it out? You know, what's going on there in New York? Who's going to win? And then all of a sudden it was like, OK, Phil Jackson's out. I honestly think there was a lot of uh, a lot of legs to the whole Porzingis trade uh rumblings that were out there. Oh, and, and, yeah. Uh yeah, and the Knicks were like, you know what? Fuck it. Get him out of here. He can't <laughs> we cannot let him do this. Get him That's out of here. Like, Force said, like, what's, the, what's the difference between working for Dan Gilbert and and James Dolan? I I think that actually is it, is that Gilbert's proven to have a an itchy trigger finger in terms of getting rid of people and with Dolan it seems like he will give you every chance in the world to to shoot yourself in the foot uh, before he'll finally pull the plug. And, uh, you know, you just think about, like, all the stuff that they went through with Isaiah Thomas running their team before he finally was let go. And I saw his um, name pop up again. Yeah, for the he, next, he already again. said no thanks. But uh, <laughs> did you see the other name that popped up, though, besides Griff? No. Uh, apparently John Calipari. Uh, made it known through uh, some intermediaries that he'd be interested to. No shit. Kind of makes me wonder that if this Chauncey Billups thing does blow up, if uh, we don't start seeing his name linked to the Cavs again, because it has been in the past. That actually, that's interesting because truthfully, now that I think about it, I think at the NBA level, he's probably more cut out for the front office job than he is the uh, like X's and O's head coach type job. I think that probably caters a little more to what he's good at. But he won't be able to play pay his players as much as he's doing at Kentucky. No, but... hey oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, but he's uh... always had a few. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, if you look, he's kind of underachieved as a coach. He's had oh, one he's of the not tools... an He's not a great in-game tactician. Absolutely I'm not. not. Sure he's, I'm not sure he's great at developing players either, but he's great at identifying them. He's great at like communicating with them, um, you know, getting them to buy in that sort of stuff. Um, well, I, well, what do you mean by developing players? Because yeah. like, if you're talking uh, developing them over the course of a, a four-year college career, he doesn't get them for that long. No, that he's not. But if you're talking about getting guys NBA ready. I don't think there's anybody in college basketball who's got a pedigree that compares to him for that right now. I mean, you could like run down the list from Boogie Cousins, John Wall, Derek Rose when he was at Memphis, Anthony um, Davis, right? Anthony Davis, uh, and I mean, he's got you know on and on every year. It seems like he's got two or three guys at minimum going in the first round, and he gets his free 
infomercial segment on ESPN during the NBA draft where he gets his free interview every year, which he once again carried that tradition on again this year. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I anyway. I well to answer your original question, I don't. I don't know how much college coaches really, especially when he's bringing in just one and done's guys that are going to, you know, have their, their farewell tour from the day they step on campus. Um, I don't know how much you can actually do to develop them and get them, you know, to play their best operate as a team, win a whole lot of games in college. I mean, you can look, yeah, he's, he won with, with Boogie cousins and Anthony Davis, um, but in general, it's not, there's not a lot you can do. Guys are really good and they'll get marginally better. And that's all they do. And he gets the players that are, he gets the best players you can get, keeps them the best players. And then they go get drafted and turn into good pros. Um, whatever his system is right now, it's working. Um, and if you're, a, a, it's working a kid and coming out of high school, looking to, maximize your stock going into the NBA draft a year later. That's the guy you're going to go play for right now. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I can't, I can't disagree with that. Um, But when I, when I look at him as an actual coach, he's had the most talented team in the country every year since he's been at Kentucky. He's got one title to show for it and a couple premature uh, exits from, uh, from the tournament. So, it's hard to knock a guy who's who has won a title, but he should have more. Let's be honest. With the talent he's had, he shouldn't he shouldn't be a guy that's you know losing early as frequently as he is. But again, that goes back to my original point. As far as like a game day coach and um, sort of an X's and O's guy, I wouldn't have wanted him to to be in that role for the Cavs. But when it comes to personnel and and building a team and putting a team together i think that's probably something that's a little more catered to his skill set well that's that would be the ironic thing if if somehow this and i really don't think it's ever going to come to this but if he no. ended up landing with the Cavs, it's like don't forget that when griff ended up getting the the gm job permanently three years ago uh Calipari's name was in the mix and I, I I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure like there was even talk that they would bring him in as a president for like Griff to work under so um, I don't know I, I guess all we need now is a, a, a Tom Izzo rumor and uh, we could hit the uh, the Gilbert trifecta but uh, we'll see uh, we'll see what happens here anyway uh, what else you got um, I don't know. You got anything over there? You said you were going to bring questions. Hit me with some questions. <laughs> All right, I, was well, pro- I was promised questions. I was promised questions. Now, most of them were about uh, the, the, the cab stuff that uh, it's going on or, or not going on, as the case may be. But uh, I, I will ask you this. Have you been paying attention at all to what's going on with Fox Sports? A little. um, Not a ton. Um, but yeah, a little bit. All right. So the long and short of it is what's going on at Fox sports is they basically, they have a whole online writing staff that they're clearing out and they're going in the direction of going in 
full, you know, going all in on their TV personalities and all video all the time and any written content is basically going to be stuff that's produced to support what's being said in their video. Um, they've already done a little bit of this during the Super Bowl. I guess they had two of their staff writers who have since been let go um, following around like Skip Bayless and some of their other guys uh, during Super Bowl week and then ghostwriting pieces for those guys for their website. And they're, they're going all in on that in any sort of original journalism and original reporting is basically being dumped out the window because uh, hot takes all the time is, is the direction that they want to take things. And um, what uh, I, I guess we're, we're, I have thoughts on this and before I get up on my soapbox here, I just, I wonder if you did. Um, it, it, from what I can tell, and admittedly, I don't, I'm not nearly as into, um, I don't have nearly the understanding or um, sort of belief. And I, you, that's you, that's, that's, that's your thing. You've been very into that. That's where you were previously. That's your old career. Um, you're, you're way more media savvy and knowledgeable than I am, obviously. So um, I'll just say my initial instinct is, it's it's a different direction, but I think it's it's kind of narrow minded and short sighted. I think it will probably have some early returns in terms of um, appealing to. I think they're probably trying to appeal to younger uh, the younger generation, and I know I'm I'm not old by any means, but. Um, it is one of those things that sort of seem like it's going to be, it's going to be overproduced. It's going to, it's going to get old pretty quick. I think quite frankly, is my feeling. It'll probably work for some people at first, but I think in the long term, it's not a feasible strategy to keep people coming back to your website. What was interesting to me about this, when I first read the story and I read the rationale behind what they were doing, um, I, did not totally hate, I didn't totally hate the premise where they were coming from. And what the the explanation was is we want to produce content that you can't get anywhere else. And they had posted or they, they used the example of like, um, I guess like a deer running into uh, somebody like in a, during a cross country race or something like that. And there was a video that had gotten posted on their website and ah, ha, ha, this is hilarious. And they're like, yeah, it's really funny, but you can get this anywhere. We want something that's original content that you're only going to get from Fox Sports. And that in and of itself, I think, is not a terrible thing. Um, I mean, we just do what we do here with this podcast, uh, you know, I try to come up with something that, you know, you're not hearing repeated a hundred times during the day on 92.3. It doesn't always work out that way, but, you know, I at least put some thought in trying to be, in trying to be original and, and set us apart and give you something different to think about. 
For the and, record, you can even you can hear it even more than a hundred times by paying eight fifty a month and listening to eight fifty AM. Oh, the land on the, demand. The land on demand. The land on I demand. I am not demanding that. I can promise you. For the low, low uh, price of twenty seven cents a day. But you know what? It's funny though. You joke about that, but at the same time, I'm not paying for that because what are they offering you? A bunch of hot takes. You know, and and opinions and, um, you know, if you're driving around in the car and you want to flip it on for free, sure, I'll do that. Uh, not nearly as much as I used to, especially also, now. Also, that... Joe B's. <laughs> Wee! Wee! But no, you, you, you mean for uh, the price is right if it's free. And I mean, I will listen to it once in a while, but not nearly as much as I've discovered like really good podcasts. But the flip side of that is, you know, there was a sports website in Cleveland that launched in March and it's called The Athletic and it's not free. And I signed up for that on day one and I think you did as well. And we paid, what, 40 bucks a year or whatever for sports coverage. And why do we do that? Is it because they've got a bunch of people that are just offering hot takes and and uh, outlandish opinions and picking fights with superstars. No, it's, it's good content. It's good analysis. Um, it's access. I mean, Jason Lloyd, uh, who covers the Cavs for them, he used to work for the, the Beacon Journal down in Akron. I mean, he does as good, if not better, a job of get, painting a picture for you of what's going on behind the scenes in the Cavs locker room than anybody that covers the team. And there's a lot of people that cover that team. Um, there's a lot of good people that cover that team, but um, he does a tremendous job. That's the kind of stuff that I'm willing to pay for. And I just, you know, bringing it back to like what Fox is doing here. Um, okay. So like their website, they're not asking you to pay for it, but it's like how much of your time are you willing to invest in, in content like what they're doing versus you know, if you look at some of these other sites that are, are doing actual reporting and, you know, some statistical based analysis and um, providing some, you know, well thought out, researched, uh, creatively reported stuff. Um, it sort of that- raises the question, though, as to, and, and I think this might be where you and I see differently from a Fox Sports, but admittedly fox sports might be right um it begs the question how how discerning and intelligent and um insightful are most sports fans how much analysis do they really want i see, I, it's, it's, I i'll, I'll look careful. at the athletic and i go you gotta, you're, you're just you gotta be careful with that um painting with that broad of a brush because I think you can even draw a line in the sand between people who get their Cavs coverage primarily from the radio versus people who are on Twitter. It's like following a completely different league. Um, And I think that, you know, there is a very sizable portion of sports fans who are willing to go for the good stuff 
And I think there's also a lot of people that maybe don't. I will say this, though, like, you know, that reference, uh, that example that I referenced with what Fox Sports did during the Super Bowl with having their guys just ghostwrite for Skip Bayless and and the other uh, TV uh, talking heads, uh, their web traffic during the Super Bowl this year was down like 50% the week of the game versus the year before. And this year they had the Super Bowl. So they were able to like promote the shit out of their own stuff on TV and they had a a built-in advantage and they still lost a ton of traffic. So um, to me, you know, and and there's other studies that have been put out there this week, like this whole, like everybody's got to go to video. It's all about video online. How much actual video content do you look at on sports websites? Very little. How much do you read? I don't know. Like, again, I, I read, I mean, a vast majority of it I read. Exactly. But, and that's my point. Like, I, I, there is a value in, in written content that, you know, just, I mean, I think about, I mean, this is, this is sports, but, you know, you just, you look at the, the media business in general, I mean, the exact same thing is happening over at MTV. I mean, they had a really good news division built with a lot of people that had come from like uh, Grantland and some other places, and they had built up a really reputable staff there. Um, and and they just pulled basically the same plug this week and sent a lot of those folks packing. And, um, you know, it's a little disconcerting as somebody whose, you know, day job is still in the media business. And, you know, <laughs> relies on, on reporting and, and creating actual news content. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe my opinion is probably slanted by that in terms of, you know, maybe I'm overstating the importance of it, but it's a, it's a disturbing trend. And, and I just, I don't see it as being a good thing. I think, like I said, I think it's one of those things that they might see, like immediate positive returns, but it, it it's unsustainable. It won't keep people um, coming back. And I think it'll be one of those things that in most cases they'll look at and regret, which they've gone a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's fair. So, all right. Well, I, I will step off the soapbox now. At, uh, hey, you're okay, man. You know what you're talking <laughs> about. You're good. No, I will say this. I I have these conversations pretty frequently and and we know some of these people. I know I have, and it's not just about sports, just in general, um, conversations I'll have with people about any variety of topics. And they, they, they look at things with a very simplistic view um, and don't try to break things down. They don't analyze. They're not analytical about it. They want just a, a quick hit, a hot take, that one like talking point that that makes sense to them or completely doesn't make sense to them that, he, that they can either use themselves and recite or completely disagree with and and and, and build something around. So I think it's it, it's it's for the less critical thinking and more you know immediate satisfaction types, which. Like I said, I think those folks in general, you'll get an immediate boost from them. But originally, they're going to uh, eventually. Excuse me. Eventually, they're going to go a different direction because they just want something else that's new. They just want something new each time, and that's all they're really looking for. 
Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see where it goes. That's but, all I uh, got. All right. Uh, any anything else on your mind here? Uh, uh, I'll say this: I think the the Gilbert Trump Cubs thing is a little overblown. <laughs> I don't I don't want to talk about it too much, but I think the fact that he happened to be there when the Cubs were there, yeah, the fact he was in the room like taking pictures with them is kind of bad. But if you're at the white house for whatever reason and the president says hey come over here you're not gonna be like uh, uh no because uh i own a team in cleveland and these guys beat the team from cleveland right you're just gonna go over and you're gonna laugh it off and then you're gonna back about your so i'm the first guy to usually rip gilbert and yeah it doesn't look good but i think it's also being a little bit overblown to the point where i don't really feel like talking about it that much i've already talked about it more than i think i wanted to Timing of that whole thing just could not have been worse, given everything so that's like unsettled here in Cleveland, and just so many yeah, things that the, went into that. It just it, it just could not have, that that could not have fallen into place any worse for for that. Yeah, whole... my biggest my biggest beef with it is that not that he was there when a team who beat another Cleveland team was there, and not that he was meeting with the president. It's that your team seems to be in disarray. You should be getting you should be getting that in order before you do other stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that's that's, that's my that's biggest problem. If you know me, you know I'm no Trump guy, uh, to say the least. Don't really care that much about the fact that he was meeting with Trump. If he met with Trump a week from now, after he found a GM and had that shit in place, I wouldn't care at all. Yeah, that's it. I mean, qu- quite frankly, it just seems like the timing is bad. Is it's, it's not great. But, uh, not, not not great. I feel like we use that every few weeks. Well, you know the shoe. Fits. Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Um, you know what? Uh, I, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna segue to this, and I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Something that Uh-oh. is great. You are doing something really cool uh, coming up later this summer, and people who listen to our show have a chance to support you. And I want you to tell everybody what you got going on yes so every year for the last eight years i have um spent a majority of my summer raising money and then at the end of this i get on a bike and i ride a variety of distances i've ridden 50 miles i've ridden 100 miles on a bike um all to raise money for the ohio state cancer center um, it's an event called Pelotonia. They've been doing it for nine years. I've been doing it for eight. So this will be my eight, eighth year doing it. Um, and the nice thing about it, and there's a very similar event in Cleveland now, but it's, it's, it's been, it, it's an event that honestly, I, the first time I did it, I was just like, well, this will be kind of fun to do. I'll get to know some people and blah, blah, blah. It'll be whatever. Um, but the first, the first day I did it, the first race I did in 2010, um i've been hooked ever since then it's it's one of my favorite it's literally the only thing outside of sports in general (laughs) and this sounds kind of sad but that i'm like truly legitimately passionate about i get very into it every dollar that i raise goes right back towards um cancer research zero of the money goes towards administrative costs and marketing and all this other shit you know every time you see a charity they might get 50 bucks from you, but 25 to 30 bucks goes towards other stuff. And, you know, 20, $25 goes towards the actual cause. 
So my favorite thing about it is the fact that every year I raise usually a few thousand bucks, all every penny of it goes towards cancer research. And that's something that I'm, I take very seriously. It's something that if literally everyone knows someone who's had to deal with someone who had cancer, whether it's someone immediately related to you or friend of a friend or distant family or whatever the case is. Um, if you've seen it in any capacity, you know, it's fucking terrible. It's, it's just a, a disgusting thing that at this point um, sh- shouldn't, no one should have to deal with it anymore at this point. Um, so I get on a bike every year and I, I ride 50 to 100 miles, which is sounds like a bear to most people. They're like, well, shit, that sounds tired. That sounds like it'll wear you out. Sounds, you know, sounds like a pain in the ass. And it is. But when I go to, like, I've, I've toured the James Cancer Hospital, which is at Ohio State. I've toured that a few times, seen A, the work that the doctors there are doing, and B, the spoken with patients there that are benefiting from that research and from the work that they're doing. And my 50 to 100 miles on a bike pales in comparison to all the shit that those people are doing. So every year I get on a bike, I try to raise some money. This year I have a a lofty goal of raising more than I've raised before. I'm trying to raise $5,000. So far, um, I've got a couple that are still going to come in. I'm right around 3,500. So I'm about two thirds of the way there. If you've listened this long to the podcast and you've listened to me talk so far about this, go online and, and donate something. It's We have a link on our website. Um, the website, the link is just uh, pelotonia.org slash Travis Uli. It's right at the top of the nail website. Um, a lot of times I hear from people that are like, hey, I, I, I'd love to donate something, whatever. I'll remind me to do it. I'm reminding you now. Um, second, if you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, I, I got stuff going on. I can't. I can't donate like a hundred dollars or anything like that. Go give 10 bucks, 10, 20 bucks, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, I won't bug anyone ever again. <laughs> this, this is my, this is my one mention. I, I don't, I try not to bug everyone. Um, but it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. I've seen what I've done so far. I've raised in the area of 20 to $25,000. Um, the event overall has raised over $130 million. Um, and I can tell you that every penny of it has made a difference and is is something that if you're lucky enough to have not been impacted by cancer yet, it's probably inevitable. I hate to be a downer, but it's probably inevitable. Um, if and when you are, you will be glad that this money was raised because I guarantee that they have done something that will help you. So... If you can, all I'm going to say is go on, give however much you're comfortable giving. If you're not comfortable giving anything, send me an email. Wish me good luck. Doesn't matter. No hard feelings. I'm not pressuring anyone because I understand everyone, you know, is in a different situation, has things that they're passionate about. This is the thing I'm passionate about, so I bug people about it. That's it. I know I kind of went on for a while there, but that's what I got. It's it's an excellent cause. I'm glad you're in shape to to go do the bike riding, and uh, I can support with uh, with my checkbook. Uh, the direct deposit hits overnight for me tonight, so I uh, full disclosure: making... I am not in shape to do it. <laughs> I am nowhere near ready. 
Um, You're but, in far better shape than I am at this point, so uh, I, I look forward to making a contribution. And again, uh, for those listening at uh, pelotonia.org slash Travis Julie, uh, P-E-L-O-T-O-N-I-A dot org slash Travis Julie. Uh, we do have a, go to the nailpodcast.com and it's at the top of the page. Yep. Banner. We put the banner up there. And uh, I know you said you're not going to keep mentioning it on here. I might, though. I, I, I'm i not above uh, uh, bringing that up a, a few more times because I think it's a tremendous cause and it's uh, something that, uh, you know, uh, uh, the wife and I have been uh, proud to support you in in the past and, uh, and to help out with. And I hope uh, everybody listening uh we'll uh kick in a few bucks as well uh, yeah and it, it's honestly it's, it's an incredible event they put it on insanely well if you're from cleveland you've probably seen um over the last couple of years it's called velasano it's a very similar event and i don't i don't want to make this sound like rude they completely ripped off pelotonia uh, i have no i i don't hold that against them it, they're doing great work there as well um, it's an incredibly amazing goal that they're working towards. So they found out, you know, they identified something that works and raises a lot of money. It's very successful. It's all going towards a great cause. So if you've seen Velasano, it's a very similar um, objective. Pelotonia has been around several years longer. And actually, the Pelotonia folks worked with the Cleveland Clinic to help them launch that um, to get it up and running and, and you know, sort of show them the ropes. Um but either way, yes, it's an incredible um, goal. It's incredibly well-run um, event. And like I said, the best thing about it is it's all of the administrative shit that goes along with it is underwritten by a few very wealthy individuals and organizations. They front all the money for marketing and paying salaries and all that shit so that every dollar I raise doesn't have to go towards that. So that's the nice thing about it. Know that if you donate anything, all of it is going back towards incredibly important, well-meaning research and programs. So do it. There it is. That's it. Fantastic. All right. Uh, well, thank you for telling us about all of that. Um, I, I definitely hope uh, everybody will uh, chip in on it and uh, help uh, raise money for what's really uh, a great cause. And, uh, an excellent uh, program that they they've got going there. So um, good uplifting note to edit on. I know we've been kind of frustrated with a lot of the stuff that's been going on with our local sports teams. So uh, I feel good about the fact that we were able to find something positive uh, to, to wind it down on. Um, we also, I don't want to give it away yet, but uh, I believe we've got something really cool coming for our next episode this weekend. Right. Are we going to out it right now? Or are we going to tease it? No, I don't, I don't, I, we're just going to tease it. I, I don't want to give it away right. just yet. I don't want to, I want to put the whammy on it. All right. I'm with you. <laughs> you will want to listen next week. That's all I'll say. If you have, uh, if you're our age or older, um, someone who grew up loving Cleveland in the nineties, hint, that's all I'm going to give away. You'll want to listen next time. Right. Uh, we will probably have that posted, uh, I know we got the holiday weekend coming up here, uh, possibly Sunday night. Uh, if not, uh, then definitely uh, by uh, early sometime Monday. And I'm sure we will promote the hell out of that once it goes up because uh, fingers crossed it should be something really fun. So look for that. Uh, in the meantime, go subscribe on 
uh, iTunes. Uh, if you got your uh, your iPhone there, go hit the podcast app. Search for the nail in the coffin. Find us. Subscribe so you're all ready to go when that next episode drops. Uh, like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash the nail podcast. And uh, tell all your friends about it as well. So uh, that should uh, that should do it for us. So for Travis Julie, I'm Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin, and we will talk to you again soon. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On Press Box Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on Press Box Access.